0: section six of a book of sibyls by anne thackeray ritchie The sleepervox recording is in the public domain mrs barbold part six Thumkin, a fairy celebrity used to mark his way by flinging crumbs of bread and scattering stones as he went along and in like manner authors trace the course of their life's peregrinations by the pamphlets and articles they cast down as they go sometimes they throw stones sometimes they throw bread in ninety two and ninety three mrs barbold must have been occupied with party polemics and with the political miseries of the time a pamphlet on gilbert wakefield's views and another on sins of the government and sins of the people show in what direction her thoughts were bent then came a period of comparative calm again and of literary work and interest she seems to have turned to akenside and collins and each had an essay to himself these were followed by certain selections from the spectator tatler and company preceded by one of those admirable essays for which she is really remarkable she also published a memoir of richardson prefixed to his correspondence sir james mackintosh writing at a later and sadder time of her life says of her observations on the moral of clarissa that they are as fine a piece of mitigated and rational stoicism as our language can boast of in eighteen o two another congregation seems to have made signs from stoke newington and mrs barbold persuaded her husband to leave his flock at hampstead and to buy a house near her brother's at stoke newington this was her last migration and here she remained until her death in eighteen twenty five one of her letters to mrs kenrick gives a description of what might have been a happy home we have a pretty little back parlor that looks into our little spot of a garden she says and catches every gleam of sunshine we have pulled down the ivy except what covers the coach-house we have planted a vine and a passion-flower with abundance of jessamine against the window and we have scattered roses and honeysuckle all over the garden you may smile at me for parading so over my house and domains in may she writes a pleasant letter in good spirits comparing her correspondence with her friend to the flower of an aloe which sleeps for a hundred years and on a sudden pushes out when least expected but take notice the life is in the aloe all the while and sorry should i be if the life were not in our friendship all the while though it so rarely diffuses itself over a sheet of paper she seems to have been no less sociable and friendly at stoke newington than at hampstead people used to come up to see her from london her letters quiet and intimate as they are give glimpses of most of the literary people of the day Not in memoirs then, but alive and drinking tea at one another's houses, or walking all the way to Stoke Newington to pay their respects to the old lady. Charles Lamb used to talk of his two bald authoresses, Mrs. Barbold being one, and Mrs. Inchbald being the other. Crab Robinson and Rogers were two faithful links with the outer world. Crab Robinson corresponds with Madame de Stal; is quite intimate. She writes has received i don't know how many letters she adds not without some slight amusement miss lucy aiken tells a pretty story of scott meeting with mrs barbold at dinner and telling her that it was to her that he owed his poetic gift some translations of Burger by mr taylor of norwich which she had read out at edinburgh had struck him so much that they had determined him to try his own powers in that line she often had inmates under her roof one of them was a beautiful and charming young girl the daughter of mrs fletcher of edinburgh whose early death is recorded in her mother's life besides company at home mrs barbold went to visit her friends from time to time the Estlands at bristol the edgeworths whose acquaintance mr and mrs barbold made about this time and who seem to have been invaluable friends bringing as they did a bright new element of interest and cheerful friendship into her sad and dimming life a man must have extraordinarily good spirits to embark upon four matrimonial ventures as mr edgeworth did and as for miss edgeworth appreciative effusive and warm-hearted she seems to have more than returned mrs barbold's sympathy miss lucy aiken dr aiken's daughter was now also making her own mark in the literary world and had inherited the bright intelligence and interest for which her family was so remarkable much of miss aiken's work is more sustained than her aunt's desultory productions but it lacks that touch of nature which has preserved mrs barbold's memory where more important people are forgotten our authoress seems to have had a natural affection for sister authoresses hannah more and mrs montague were both her friends so were madame d'arblay and mrs Chapon in a different degree she must have known mrs opie she loved joanna bailey the latter is described by her as the young lady at hampstead who came to mr barbold's meeting with as demure a face as if she had never written a line and miss aiken in her memoirs describes in johnsonian language how the two miss baileys came to call one morning upon mrs barbold my aunt immediately introduced the topic of the anonymous tragedies and gave utterance to her admiration with the generous delight in the manifestation of kindred genius which distinguished her but it seems that miss bailey sat nothing moved and did not betray herself mrs barbold herself gives a pretty description of the sisters in their home in that old house on windmill hill which stands untouched with its green windows looking out upon so much of sky and heath and sun with the wainscoted parlors where walter scott used to come and the low wooden staircase leading to the old rooms above it is in one of her letters to mrs kenrick that mrs barbold gives a pleasant glimpse of the poetess walter scott admired i have not been abroad since i was at norwich except a day or two at hampstead with the miss baileys one should be as i was beneath their roof to know all their merit their house is one of the best ordered i know they have all manner of attentions for their friends and not only miss b but joanna is as clever in furnishing a room or arranging a party as in writing plays of which by the way she has a volume ready for the press but she will not give it to the public till next winter the subject is to be the passion of fear i do not know what sort of a hero that passion can afford fear was indeed a passion alien to her nature and she did not know the meaning of the word mrs. Barbold's description of Hannah Moore and her sisters living on their special hilltop was written after Mr. Barbold's death and thirty years after Miss Moore's verses which are quoted by Mrs. Ellis in her excellent memoir of Mrs. Barbold Nor, Barbold, shall my glowing heart refuse a tribute to thy virtues or thy muse. This humble merit shall at least be mine, the poet's chaplet for thy brows to twine my verse thy talents to the world shall teach and praise the graces it despairs to reach then after philosophically questioning the power of genius to confer true happiness she concludes can all the boasted powers of wit and song of life one pang remove one hour prolong fallacious hope which daily truths deride for you alas have wept and garrick died meanwhile whatever genius might not be able to achieve the five miss moores had been living on peacefully together in the very comfortable cottage which had been raised and thatched by the poetess's earnings barleywood is equally the seat of taste and hospitality says mrs barbole to a friend nothing could be more friendly than their reception she writes to her brother and nothing more charming than their situation an extensive view over the mendip hills is in front of their house with a pretty view of rington their home cottage because it is thatched stands on the declivity of a rising ground which they have planted and made quite a little paradise the five sisters all good old maids have lived together these fifty years hannah Moore is a good deal broken but possesses fully her powers of conversation and her vivacity we exchanged riddles like the wise men of old i was given to understand she was writing something there is another allusion to mrs hannah Moore in a sensible letter from mrs barbold written to miss edgeworth about this time declining to join in an alarming enterprise suggested by the vivacious mr edgeworth a Feminiad, a literary paper to be entirely contributed to by ladies and where all articles are to be accepted there is no bond of union mrs barbold says among literary women any more than among literary men different sentiments and connections separate them much more than the joint interest of their sex would unite them mrs hannah Moore would not write along with you or me and we should possibly hesitate at joining miss hayes or if she were living mrs godwin then she suggests the names of miss bailey mrs Opie, her own niece miss lucy aiken and mr s rogers who would not she thinks be averse to joining the scheme end of section six